Hey, this is Jacqueline Kitzman. Long time no um, talk at you. <coughs> oh, God. <coughs> and that's why <laughs> I have been sick. I also threw my back out coughing today, which is like really fun for me as well. Um, so here's the deal. I've been gone for a while uh, because I got sick. And then I had to go into the ER because I had massive abdominal pain that I needed help for to make sure that I wasn't like dying. And I wasn't dying, but they did. <laughs> they did while they were looking at my abdomen for like an ovarian cyst. They're like, hey, um, do you know that both your lungs are like partially collapsed? And I said, no, I had no idea. And they were like, they are full of gunk and fluid. And uh, we're going to put you on some medicine for that before you have to come back here to the ER because you can't breathe. And I said, yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, I have been having to do a bunch of deep breathing exercises as well as take a whole bunch of medicine. Uh, I had to apologize to the lovers here on my Patreon because I record all of their tarot. I pull cards for each of them individually at the beginning of each month and then send off the tarot scopes to them, kind of talking about what their months are going to look like. And for every single tarot scope I recorded this month, I sounded like a drug-addled Kermit, uh, just coughing, like plague-riddled Kermit. That's probably a better joke. Having some form of laryngitis and just no fun. So this is my first time back to the podcast in a long time. So uh, that's where I've been. I'm really happy to come back. We are finishing up the lifeline today. We're finishing up the lifeline by talking about the chariot. Before we jump into that, I just want to kind of take a minute to not gloss over current events because there's just some really heavy stuff happening. But I also, so much has happened. There's just no way possible I could cover each and every single current event from like the last month-ish that I've been gone. So um, what I will say is that starting all the way back from beginning of October, there was a mass shooting, I believe, in Maine, where a man using an AR-15 styled weapon killed 18 people and then wounded over a dozen more. Um, that got glossed over really quick because people are getting completely numb to mass shootings. But because also the war in Palestine began pretty soon after that. As always, please call your representatives and demand gun control. We need gun control. There is absolutely no reason that any civilian needs access to an AR-15 styled weapon. Um, talking about what happened and what is happening in Palestine, it uh, there is an active ethnic cleansing and genocide happening in Palestine right now. It is not a war on Hamas. It is a war on the Palestinian people. It, it is beyond death. Like, I just don't think there's a word in the human in any language that appropriately describes how awful what is happening is. I could probably go on for the rest of the day about some of the, about the horrors that have taken place there. But what you essentially and really need to know is that this war on Hamas, the uh, terrorist organization is actually has turned out to be just an absolute obliteration of the Palestinian people that both live in the Gaza Strip as well as the West Bank. I've watched at least one video every single day of Palestinian workers and volunteers pulling small children out of rubble. Um, they're freezing. It's raining. It's winter. They're outside. They're sleeping in tents. They have no idea if they're going to wake up the next day. Hospitals are being bombed, um, which, by the way, is a war crime. And America is just funding this. We just we're giving more and more money to this. And we, we need it. We need an immediate ceasefire. There's not much we can do. We can boycott. We can boycott businesses that support the IDF, we can boycott Starbucks, McDonald's, all of that. 
You can bring awareness to the situation. You can explain to people who haven't been educated on what's going on, what is going on. It's just a really, it's, it is a very, very sad time. And here in, you know, here in the U.S., you've got Palestinian Americans who are just devastated watching this happen to their brothers and sisters who are living in Palestine. And then, of course, you've also got Jewish Americans who, the majority of which also want to cease fire, um, mourn what Israel is doing, and then at the same time being terrified for their lives because anti-Semitism has been on the rise here in the U.S., However, we can't talk about genocide without also talking about what's happening in the Democratic Republic of Congo. I didn't know a whole bunch about this up until everything started happening in Palestine. This is a genocide that has also been happening for decades. And this is um, from a website called peoplesdispatch.org. Seven million displaced in the Democratic Republic of Congo as M23 attacks continue. Essentially, what is happening here is that in in the Congo, uh, there is a mining for a material here, coltan, cobalt. It, it, it's a material that helps make our smartphones, our smart TVs, our computers. We need it to do that. Where we are kicking people out of their homes and forcing them to mine this material so that we can have our phones. And it is also devastating. And it has also been happening for a while. And it is not getting the attention that it needs. So if you're sitting here saying, oh, wow, I didn't realize there was a whole other genocide happen. Like, yes, there is. And it is a testament to how ingrained systemic and institutionalized racism is that we don't know enough about this. Um, so as you are looking and enchanting free Palestine, we should also be looking at what's happening in the Democratic Republic of Congo because it is e- it is equally as devastating. It's it's equally as devastating. And both of these genocides are in part being funded by the U.S. in our taxes. This is we are we are funding these things. We we should know what's happening. I think that when it comes to things like this, the best thing that we can do as people is have the hearts of humanitarians. Um, we need to be loud supporters of the ending of that kind of violence and devastation. As we move from current events and we jump into the episode, um, we are at the end of the death line, or excuse me, we are at the end of the lifeline. The last card in the lifeline is chariot. That is card seven in the major arcana. Um, I'll kind of explain to you, pulling up my picture of the chariot, what the chariot looks like. Um, It's card seven. Sevens in the tarot, the way that I teach them are self-control, self-realization, self, you know, uh, psychoanalysis, self-analysis, epiphany a reckoning of sorts, all of that kind of fun stuff that involves like kind of like understanding your space, your role in something and understanding where you are with it. Um, In the chariot, I'll explain it. It is a person. They have armor. They are inside this cube chariot. Uh, The canopy above them on the chariot is blue and it is decorated with stars. And the person in the chariot is wearing kind of bluish armor. Uh, They've got like little symbols on their skirt. They look a little bit like element, elemental symbols. And they've also got a star on their head as well. The carriage is supposed to be being pulled by two creatures that are not horses, but they're also not moving. They're laying down. They're sphinxes. One sphinx is black and the other is white. Um, They are laying down, not moving. This is supposed to be reminiscent of the high priestess who sits between one black pole and one white pole. Um, which can represent like the duality and the binary thinking of humans. Um, the Sphinx is also like a very, it's a mythological Greek and Egyptian creature. Obviously there's the great Sphinx in 
um, in Egypt. And then there's also like the sphinxes that we kind of see throughout Greek mythology. I believe Oedipus, the 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 drama from from ancient Greek uh, has a has a sphinx where he has to go save his city or his town from the sphinx. And the sphinx gives him a riddle. And I wish I could remember the riddle. But the answer is man, in case you're wondering, because you ever get asked that specific riddle that I can't remember. The answer is man. You ever encounter a sphinx on your own free time? Uh, I hope that helps some of you. Uh, but the sphinxes there are like it, they're there to represent stamina and power, supernatural power, knowledge, stuff like that. And they're at the they're pulling the chariot, but they're also laying down. The chariot's not going anywhere. So the irony there is that sphinxes can represent stamina and the, and the sphinxes in this picture are like, we will not be moving anymore. Thank you. On the front of the carriage, like right, um, you know, on the front underneath, uh, how do I explain this? Like in the carriage, on the front of the carriage, obviously there's a big like windshield-ish area, but on like the front of it, there is a, a set of wings and then a little symbol and it looks a little bit like a top. And I think we'll get more of an explanation for that when I read the pictorial key to the tarot. Um, but what's very interesting about the chariot is that it is very, very yellow there's this heavy theme of blue with the canopy and it's this person standing in a chariot, but the chariot's not going anywhere. And what's fascinating, fascinating about this is that the chariot is at the very last card in the lifeline. And from the chariot, from this kind of like comfort zone type card, uh, we then end up in the death line, which is all about transformation and all about change. Um, it, so it's this person who's been driving, 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 and just really going along with the flow, taking a break. And it's kind of this realization for us when we pull this card of like, okay, like I can either stay on this road and keep going <clears throat> the way that I'm going, or I can get out. I have a really, really great episode on the chariot where I had a really good conversation with uh, a friend. And it's one of my favorite episodes we've done on the podcast. And I just think that my guest for that episode does an amazing job of talking about this card. So uh, I would I highly recommend going back and listening to that after you hear this episode if you haven't heard it already. Uh, but the the chariot in this card isn't meant to be moving. This is a this is a person in a vehicle meant for movement, not moving. And and there's a really important reason for that, and it's because we're here in a seven having this realization about a decision for transformation. And when you're talking about like the lifeline, like literally, like some people like live in, you know, we want to stay in the chariot for as long as possible. We have these, we have the inclination to fight change as humans. Change is scary. Change gives us kind of that anxiety. So we're like, no, I, uh, even if you know that a change or a certain change would be good for you, like there's this pushback to actually like pursuing that change because it's scary. Cause right now you have a map, you know, exactly where you're going. You go the same route every day. Um, you know, you know, the roads backwards and forwards, like when you when you make a decision, when you make a change, when you kind of go through that transformation, you no longer know where you're going. You have to follow a map again. You have to figure it out. You have to be OK getting lost and then finding your way. And that's a big thing for people to kind of like accept and be like, OK, yeah, like I'm ready for that. But the seven, the chariot, the seven in this case here in the major arcana is all about that kind of mentality of, OK, I am ready to get lost. I am ready to do something and go somewhere I've never been like. I, I'm, I have hit, I've, I reached the end of my road. It's time to go and do something else now. I'm pulling up here the pictorial key to the tarot, the chariot. I will read you what Arthur Edward Waite has written. 
Uh, it says card seven, the chariot, an erect and princely figure carrying a drawn sword and corresponding, broadly speaking, to the traditional description which I have given in the first part. Okay. On the shoulders of the victorious hero are supposed to be the Urim and Thummim. He has led captivity captive. He is conquest on all planes in the mind, in science, in progress, and certain trials of initiation. He has thus replied to the Sphinx, and it is on this account that I have accepted the variation of Eliphas Levi. Two Sphinxes thus draw his chariot. He is above all things triumph in the mind. It is to be understood for this reason, A, that the question of the Sphinx is concerned with the mystery of nature and not of the world of grace, to which the charioteer could offer no answer, and B, that the planes of his conquest are manifest or external and not within himself, and C, that the liberation which he effects may leave himself in the bondage of the logical understanding, D, that tests the initiation through which he has passed in triumph are to be understood physically or rationally, and E, that if he came to the pillars of that temple between which the high priestess is seated, he could not open the scroll called Torah, nor, if she questioned him, could he answer, he is not hereditary royalty, and he is not priesthood. So half of this was just saying like this guy in the chariot looks really strong. And the other half was it was Arthur saying that this charioteer isn't royal enough to 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 read what the high priestess says. And that's just very funny to me. Sometimes I just think sometimes I just think he didn't really know what he was talking about. But essentially what he's kind of laying out here is that this guy goes to the sphinxes, goes to the great sphinxes and with his charioteer confidence gets these sphinxes to pull his little cart thing, his little carriage, his chariot, right? And it's kind of like getting to this and reaching this conclusion that like he's hit the he's at the end of the road. He's done everything he was supposed to do. And now he's kind of at like an impasse and has to make a decision going forward. Like d- does he does the chariot tear turn around and go back? Do do they go forward? Do they what do they do from here? If you look up the traditional upright and reversed meaning of the chariot on the tarot, our, you know, Smith Rider weight like app for your phone, it gives you all of the like uh, guidebook explanations of the card. You've got secure, providence, also war, triumph, presumption, vengeance, trouble. That's the upright. In the reverse, you've got riot, quarrel, dispute, litigation, defeat. Um, I don't think any of us read this card this way. It's so funny to me reading like the original meanings of these that Arthur Edward Way had in mind. And then uh, like knowing actively how we read this card now. And it's just, it's, 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 it's just, you can't compare them. They are so different. So while traditionally this card was talking about like fighting and, you know, um, rioting and, charging at people like the reality is that in this evolved in our evolved state and our evolved way of being now it's more or less like like i've said a couple times now during the podcast like we've we've reached the end of the road we did all of the things we found all the exits uh and and now now we kind of have to make this decision of do i turn around and go back to where i came from or do i keep going and it's kind of like the red riding hood like like um the red riding hood why can't i think of the word for this 
it's it's the big um the theme of little red riding hood right is like whether you stay on the path the path that you're supposed to or do you get off the path now this doesn't work out super well for little red but the the uh, actual like um the actual meaning of that like the the metaphor it, for little red riding hood is like sex it's 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 straying from girlhood and and going off and delving into womanhood of that sort and uh, that that's really kind of hit on. I think if you're if you're into musicals or you're into Broadway and the musical Into the Woods, there's a a whole song that Little Red does where she meets this wolf and wolf is sin and growing up and lust and all of that. And she meets this because she strode from like the path of like virginity and righteousness. And the chariot kind of has the same kind of like not not necessarily like dealing with our virginity in any capacity, but it's the same kind of idea of like we can do the safe and sound thing the thing that we've always done and stay in our comfort zone and keep going on the road that's already been paved or we can turn off that road and uh head into strength and and meet the yay though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death and and allow ourselves to do things that scare us and challenge us and and change us completely and that's the decision we're making in the chariot and what i want to point out is that there is a, a lot of stars in this and when by the time we reach the star in the tarot like whenever we see a star we're talking about a guiding light towards home the thing about the chariot is that some people are very very comfortable in the comfort zone and doing what they've always done and other people are simply pulled and shown that they're meant to do something more that they're meant to be something more, go somewhere else, do something else. And and we kind of have this star, this, this star mentality, like where we're like, okay, I'm gonna follow the stars. I'm gonna reach for the stars. I'm I I can't get there from this chariot. I have to go find somewhere else. And my little sphinxes, my wisdom, my stamina, they they've taken me as far as they can go. Like we have reached this castle and I can either turn around or I can go off the beaten path and discover something for myself. And and that's the chariot. It's the decision to get out. It's not the decision to stay on that makes the chariot. It's the decision to get off and go on foot and make a change. That's the chariot. So here's what I wrote for the chariot. Here we are at the end of the lifeline. We sit in a vehicle of acquired skill and know-how. We are driving wind in our hair and with an intuitive GPS system. We know where we're going and we have mapped out how we're going to get there. In the chariot, we are pure motion and comfort zone. The soul is happy here, joyful, because in this space it knows how to work in the physical world. Many people choose to stay in the chariot energy indefinitely because it is safe and familiar. But as is often the case with the soul, we start to want more. We contract and we move from the lifeline, a space of skill and understanding, to a more mysterious place. We evolve, and with the shedding of our skins, we have moved into the death line. So here is um, the spread I wrote for this to kind of get acquainted further, and then I'll talk about how I read this card when it comes up in readings. The spread I created is, what are we driving towards? How can we best utilize the chariot's momentum for success? What fuels our chariot? And what are we shedding as we leave the lifeline? So. When I pull the chariot in a reading and I'm and I'm reading for myself or for another person, I always kind of sit there and my first instinct is to be like, is to ask, 
okay, so what is what right now do you, in your life do you feel really, really confident about? And and what in your life do you also feel is is lacking? Where where are you with with these two different facets of your life? Like for a relationship reading, it could be talking about like you're on the path towards marriage, you're on the path towards you know, kind of end game. Is there something else that you're wanting? Do you feel like you're settling? Is this something, are you super happy to be on this path? Do you wish that the path diverged a little bit? Um, in, a, in a career reading, it's kind of talking about like, you've either really settled into what you're doing and you're just so happy that like, this is your job and like, you're very comfortable there. Or it's, hey, you know what? Like, I, I do have this, like what I'm doing right now does feel natural and I do know what I'm doing, but I still crave more. Uh, the chariot is so much about like that comfort zone mentality of I've done this, I've done it every day. And you don't pull the chariot though, unless you're ready to get off of it. And that's not saying that if you pull the chariot in a relationship reading, that it's time to end the relationship. That's not what it's saying at all. Maybe it's time to take the next step because here's the deal. Like getting married and planning a wedding is very much moving through a death line, specifically for people who give up their last names. Um, or if that's like the societal like requirement, like you are moving through the death line, you're moving through the death line. If you was a single person, uh, you know, legally, you're moving through that kind of line of the end of your belonging to your family and starting a new family. You're becoming a whole new version of you. And that and that's the cherry. And that's a hard decision. The decision to get married or whether or not this is where you want to be. That's a decision. The decision to stay in a job or get promoted or you know, or not try to, you know, not apply for a new position. You know, you, you reach a point where you can be very, very settled and stagnant, or you can reach for the stars and try your best to move forward a little, to move a little bit, to move a little bit more forward. Also that was, that dinging was me forgetting to turn off my, um, computer and it made a dinging noise. So that's what you heard there. We, we love chariot energy. We both love it because we're very comfortable in it. And we, we are afraid of it because we know that when we hit the chariot, we're going to start wanting more. We're going to start wanting to expand. That's just human nature. That's how it works. We all have to go through a lifeline. We all have to go through a death line. Um, because the reality with the chariot as well, if you're talking about it, like in a literal sense, Someday you'll get to, I'm like literally laying in bed right now because I've been coughing and I wore heels and pulled my back out. Someday your chariot will pause and you will cough or wear a pair of heeled boots and realize that you're too old to to do both of those things at the same time. You'll pull your back out and end up in bed. Like you'll, you'll realize that like your time for running and being active and explore and explorative like it's coming to a close and now you're getting to that restful point of things. And that doesn't mean that it's going to happen to you at 30, but it will mean that someday you're going to hit that point. You'll hit that point with your job right before you reach retirement. You'll hit this point in a relationship before you decide to get married or you decide that you no longer want to be together, or you decide that now you're ready to grow your family, whether that means adopting an animal or actually having a baby, like whatever that means for, for you and your partner's specific needs. Like that you you reach the chariot right before you contract to expand because you can't expand without contracting. And the chariot knows that the chariot knows that you can't go any further until you get off the chariot and find a new path. 
Um, and that's kind of the wisdom there in that card. Going into next week, I'll tell the story or next week. Yeah, well, because I'll have another episode that comes out next week because of just how much we've missed currently. But we'll go in and we'll tell the story of the of the death line and of what that looks like. Um, and before we dive into each card in the death line as well, I am currently pulling a card because I forgot to do this at the, at, for the podcast. Listen, I like, I took a month off and I forgot how to fucking do the podcast. Like I'm over here. Like, have I ever spoken into a microphone before even, um, <clears throat> is that part of the podcast where I try not to go into an explosive coughing fit because I've honestly been doing really well for this episode so far. Y'all only heard me cough up a lung in the intro um collective reading for the next week okay we're gonna draw i believe gabe also does stars and shit this week too which is fun we got the fool so for us going into this next week it's it's so funny here because the uh the chariot and and the fool kind of have like the similar like the fool doesn't know that it's taking a leap it's just leaping and the chariot does know that they're taking a leap and they do it with a little bit more like recognition. That's the nature of the seven, right? Um, whereas the fool is a little bit more like, I don't even know what jumping is. Uh, I'm just going to like use my body and see what it does. So, you know, going into this next week, it's going to be a lot about like taking chances and allowing yourself to look at things with a more like youthful, childlike wonder. Um, not harping so much on the... Uh, Oh my God, like if I do this, then this will happen. The would haves, could haves, or should haves, or the what ifs. And instead, just like listening to that more like that instinctual part of yourself that's like, hey, like, you know, it would feel really good right now jumping up and down or, or jumping in this pool or, and that doesn't mean be irresponsible, but, but it does kind of like give us this encouragement to explore what it means to do things without, without like having to, how do I explain this? Um, you know, in, in the fool, we're not sitting there and talking to our friends and our family like, oh my God, what if I do this? Or what if I do that? We're not like verbally processing it. We're just like, this is what I want. Go. It's like taking a quick turn, like driving past a Taco Bell and deciding you really want, want Taco Bell. And rather than like worrying about calories or worrying about like, is it healthy? You're worrying about whether or not you've got dinner ready. You just do it because you want it. And there's this, this element of the fool. It's not healthy to be in all the time. There's no card in the tarot that's healthy to be in all the time. But there is this element to the fool where it's kind of like, hey, sometimes doing things just because you want to is a good thing. Like sometimes denying yourself something just to deny yourself because you have some sort of rigid structure that doesn't make any sense. Uh, you don't have to have that. For instance, a really microcosm example of this is I was talking to a friend a couple, gosh, like weeks ago and they were like, ugh. I know I should probably read a new book, but I really just want to reread this book because I love it so much and I'm really in the mood for it. And I was like, why deny yourself the happiness of doing a reread if that's what you want to do? Like what's what rules in place that says you can't reread a book? And like sometimes the the fool asks us to not deny ourselves happiness simply based off of a rule that we made in our own heads. Um, so kind of keep that in mind as you move through the collective this coming week. I have missed you all. I'm so excited to be talking at you again. And I'm sorry that I kind of coughed my way through everything and I seemed a little bit out of whack. It's because I am a little bit out of whack. Um, but I am excited to get into how, well, what the fuck did I just do here? But I'm excited to get back into the swing of things and not sound like I'm so blustery moving forward with this. 
All right, please enjoy Gabe. Is that what you're going to call it, though? Is that what you're going to call it? Do I get to name it? Stars and shit! Hey, everybody. Welcome to Stars and Shit, your dose of astrology with Gabe. So, typically on this segment, I'm going to go through a few astrological points, astrological transits, some things that are coming through, and what questions they might be posing to us. Some of this information is a really good a really good way to drive some of your tarot readings. Maybe some of some of the questions or some of the readings that you might do throughout the month could be guided by some of this information. So um, I, I try to I try to keep this on on point, on on premise with with tarot and to use them inter to interweave tarot and astrology is is my ultimate goal with this section right here um, but i am primarily an astrologer um, for those of you who don't know um, my name is gabriel white jacqueline is my wife i i edit and have this segment at the end of the podcast so we work very closely i'm actually recording this prior to hearing jackie's segment for time today i had to get it done now and that way the editing can be done quickly uh, we've it's been a minute since we've got an episode out so um, I'll dive into it and try and and try to keep it short and sweet we are closing up a Mars themed cycle and the reason of that is because the new moon that was middle of last month I want to say the 13th was um, the new moon which is a conjunction between the sun and the moon meaning they're in the same spot like two days later was a Mars Kazemi, which is when the sun is in a conjunction with Mars, or the the sun being in a conjunction with any planet or celestial body is considered a Kazemi. Um, so with that, the new moon will tone the cycle of the moon for the rest of the month. And so some of those themes at the beginning, that starting, that seeding point, um, that initiation point will will play through so the questions that were being asked by astrology here is is how did mars which mars can be um aggressive it can be it can be tough it can be angry it can it can be very um authentic and audacious and advocate i don't know why i'm just coming up with words that start with a here that's not intentional <laughs> action is another one for mars i'm taking action um separating yourself from something or someone mars can also be separation taking action um cutting um maybe even just trying to create distance between yourself and and the starting line uh for instance um or or maybe there's just a feeling of stagnation that you're trying to shake off the dust that can be mars um but with this with this moon since it's kind of progressed a little bit we're closing in on the next new moon here the ending of that moon cycle feeling of like standing at the edge of a cliff where like it's kind of now or never like the last chance to pull back before you fully commit you know once you fall you're you're going down right um like the and the fear that comes with that the fear of disappointment or fear of weighing too much on others with your own desires or plans or um, the things that you want so that that's kind of the cycle that's been that's been happening 
over the past month. Um, Mars has us has us moving forward now, and Venus is going to make an appearance this month. It's going to be more more Venus themed, I would say. And it's it's not Mars or Venus or one or the other. It's just there's a lot of Venus transits this month, and so those things tend to highlight and and tone some of these some of these things. This this can also be different depending on your specific rising sign and what i mean by that is the ruler of the zodiac sign um that is your rising sign is is typically the is not typically is the planet that you are ruled by and so a mars theme cycle may not may not mean as much to somebody who is ruled by jupiter for example who may be like a sagittarius rising or a pisces rising um, you're, you might be, you might be feeling the Jupiter transits a little bit more heavily or someone who's either a Libra rising or a Taurus rising might really feel the Venus transits. They might just speak to you more. You might understand them more. So some of these transits may just go past you and not, may not be as easy to define. And I do think that's a good time to enlist tarot because sometimes, sometimes you don't understand it quite a, right away. Um, because you don't speak that language as clearly. So those who speak Venus might really understand December a little bit more. So with, with the Venus making an appearance here, we have Venus opposite Jupiter on the 11th. Uh, Venus is square Pluto today as I'm recording this, which is Sunday. And um, Venus will try and Saturn very quickly here. So there's uh, Venus is coming into contact with some slow-moving planets, which tend to last a, a little bit longer and have a, a deeper impact with some of these. And after looking through this and thinking about what I wanted to talk about today and hone in on things, there's, there's a word that's been kind of ringing around um, in my head in, in the ether, um, like a common thread between Venus, Pluto, and Jupiter themes. Um, the word is redemption. Um, Venus is in Libra right now. Um, like I said, square Pluto, right on also right on the south node of the moon, which can signify karma, past past karma that we may be moving away from, um, or deep lessons. The the questions that we have about the choices we've made recently, or, or maybe the consequences of the choices, like maybe some hard choices that we've had to make recently. Is there some sort of redemption that we're hoping for? Some light? And this could be in the form of relief or love in terms of relationships, or maybe this is like some sort of reward or peace or harmony or money. Um, what, like, what do you feel like you deserve? Could be a question that you're asking yourself. What do you want? What do you feel like is fair for you to want? Redemption also implies a sort of transaction um, like payment for a task or work that has been done. With Pluto at the end of Capricorn and about to move into Aquarius in, in about a month, we may be like figuratively signing those documents and closing it up like uh, Capricorn Focusing on that for a second can ask us if the work was worth the reward, or even if, or the just the potential award you might still be working. Um, sometimes Capricorn is 
is working from the other direction too and focused on filling holes and paying debts and bringing things back into good standing or trying to make things right or, or provide for a better tomorrow, you know? So it's like, what did we sign up for? And, and I say that may not be totally fair because it could be something that like that happened to you. It could be, you know, kind of going back a little bit further than like the past Mars cycle, like in your life. Pluto has been in Capricorn for the better part of 15 or so years. So, you know, back in 2008, when it entered Capricorn, like, what did we sign up for? How do you feel after that? Now, this for some of us who are, you know, and I'm in my 30s, but for those of us in our 20s, that's, you know, you're still maybe living with your parents, depending on that situation. Um, for those of us in our 30s, we were just leaving that situation. Those of us who are in our 40s, like that was kind of the start of, you know, maybe you were getting married, buying houses, starting your careers, those sorts of things. So like, what did we sign up for? What kind of things are closing up? What kind of things, what kind of debts are you repaying right now? I'm getting back into a state of contentment. Um, also keeping in mind, Mercury is, is making its way through Capricorn, which is a planet of communication primarily, but not just speaking and words, but any way of communication. Um, I heard recently, and I was speaking to a, a coworker of mine about how we communicate and that only, I might butcher these percentages, but so I'll just be arbitrary, that something like 7% of our communication is understood through actual words. And another 33% would be would be the tone of our voice, which was funny. I, th I was talking to my wife about this because she says, I'm so monotone sometimes, which I agree with, especially hearing my voice back on a podcast. I'm kind of drawling and and that's even funnier because I'm, I'm also a vocalist, like I sing songs, so the tone of my voice is something that I'm focused on. But for some reason, my talking is very monotone. Um, so when we talked about the tone of my voice, she's like, what are you communicating by just speaking so monotone all the time? Like, do you not even care? And I'm like, no, no, definitely care. Um, so yeah, 7% on words, 33% on the tone of your voice, and then the rest is body language, like your face. What does your face look like? You know, so a lot of that is obviously lost whenever we're communicating electronically, but, you know, just interesting as we're thinking about like Mercury, Mercury and Capricorn, you know, what are we working on communicating maybe? Mercury and Pluto together also have a of kind of a secretive um component to them like digging up things that maybe you didn't know about yourself or others or depending on what house this is in for you it could be digging up you know in the fourth house it might be family secrets for example or or a secret about like learning that somebody died in the house that you were living in a long time ago and you didn't know until now you know that would be a very like obvious way of the transit coming through. Not that that's what that transit means. It's just an example of the archetype. Um, or in the seventh house, it could be like a secret about your relationship. You know, Pluto can be deep and kind of dark sometimes, you know. Um, so it could be learning something about your spouse or your lover or a past lover or something like that that 
that you didn't really know. It could be, you know, an affair that they've had or something like that. And I don't mean to get super, super dark about things like that, but just Pluto, Pluto and Mercury together can sometimes bring those things out. And then another thing here, just what kind of stress may be culminating around something that happened in your past? You know, this could be something about trauma as well, just kind of the nature of Pluto. Redemption, bringing it back to that, is it's just, the, you know, it's kind of just the first step in this process when you think about it. Not really the first step, but there's another, there's more steps after it. Um, and I'll, I'll close with this last bit here. Um, I heard recently Capricorn, the sign of Capricorn, compared to the hobbits from the Lord of the Rings. And usually Capricorn is kind of old man, like I would have thought Gandalf, you know, I, I would not have thought the hobbits. But um, the argument was, think about just Frodo and Sam. Let's take Frodo and Sam, for example, if you guys are familiar with the tale of them. This burden, this work was thrust upon them without really any consent. They just felt like they had to do it for the good of not just themselves, but of others, but of everybody, of the Shire, you know. Um, so they're taking this heavy burden, taking lots of time and energy and suffering to go to drop this ring off in Mount Doom. And it sounds so easy, especially if you're familiar with the movies or the books, like in Fellowship, they're like, oh yeah, we'll just take it to Rivendell and then we'll be good. And then Frodo says... You know, I will take the ring to Mordor, and everybody gets all quiet, like, oh, well, someone's got to, I guess. But for some reason, you trust them with it. Because of their dedication, because of the resolve that they have and the drive that they have. This is a good, like a good quality of Capricorn, if you have any Capricorn placements. Like, where does this resonate for you? And the other thing that I was going to say, just the last thing about redemption here is, um, the labor and the work and the suffering that Capricorn endures can leave, can sometimes leave you bent, broken, tired, and cranky. You know, that's kind of the old man feeling. But after all of it, can we maintain our humor, our humility, our curiosity? That takes, I think, a tremendous amount of growth to go through something difficult, to work super hard on something and then come out of it not cynical. You know, Capricorns can also be cynical about things where all of that work might have been done for something and then the reward was not what they thought it would be. You know, that sort of disappointment. Um, can cause cynicism and so asking yourself you know where where might you be cynical about something where do you have a tendency to kind of scoff and you know, talk down to something or even talk some shit you know um you know where have you labored and not been rewarded so that might be that might be a good place to aim your focus and lean into that might be hard so, you know, I'm not 
suggesting this is suggesting this lightly, but um, that could be something that's coming up or something to focus on. Um, but more, moreover, just the way that I like to think about astrology is what are the transits asking of us right now? And just keeping in mind, they're always just asking. You know, you could believe that the in fate in different ways, there's lots of ways to view astrology. But one thing that holds true is that the planets are asking something of us. And if we're listening, then you can you can accept the question and dive more deeply into it. But it's your choice. Um, the planets, I do not believe personally that the planets control us. But they are asking and they are nudging. And I find it, I find it personally comforting to accept some of those questions and whenever I have the capacity to try and grow from them. And so this is a, this is a good opportunity. Pluto is, can, be a, can be a scary planet sometimes, but it essentially wants us to grow. Whenever we're being asked Pluto questions, whenever we're diving into our own um, Plutonian underscore behind us, what's a... You know, what what can we dig up about ourselves? So this went a little bit darker than I thought it would be, but hopefully it's helpful. And I'm gonna try and um try and do this stars and shit segments every uh every for every episode now. So hope you're enjoying this. Please let us know. And just a reminder to like and subscribe and um leave a comment and ratings really help us. If you have any feedback, be kind, and um, we try to always, always grow from all of that. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.